perfect. So, all right, yeah. So we'll get rolling here. So cut me, cut uh, me out saying those guys have been copying us for years, but just don't leave out, <laughs> leave out who I'm talking to, talking about, so that it's just like uh, people guessing. <laughs> exactly exactly so welcome back one and all to episode 101 of the original draft breakdown podcast i'm your host seth cox with me as always my co-host justin higdon and and justin uh three years later and we're back and uh better than ever we are we are back together and uh, we brought along a producer for the ride this time. So get a little bit higher quality content from the sound and get more low quality content from the host of the show. Uh, Robert Bond joins us as our producer, but as always, it's Justin and I on the mics and, and Justin, how are you doing? I'm great. I, you know, I've been up to a lot the last few years. I've been, really focusing on becoming an expert in everything so that I can fit in on social media. So I've been working on becoming an expert in economics, political science, world affairs, and of course, this year on epidemiology. So now that I've mastered all of those fields, I feel like it's time to get back to the bread and butter and talk some football with you. Exactly. We're going to be able to uh, get this going back in the right direction and discuss the nfl draft and that's you know what we do uh that's what we've been doing for a while uh so your uh your favorite uncles that uh buy you beer are back to discuss uh the the nfl draft and what's going on we're going to uh we're gonna have some fun with it and we're going to continue to be kind of the original sound of the of the draft um podcasting world um and, and we get started to complain uh i guess bring out the the crankiness early about the uh the exos combine and the fact that we are not getting an nfl combine this year uh due to the pandemic it's you know too dangerous which i mean i get that part of it but so we're having these exos combines in florida and arizona and man are these numbers fantastic I mean, Exos, everybody, everybody that trains at Exos runs a sub 4440. So like you said, we understand why we're not having a combine in Indianapolis this year. It really is due to the possibility of, of, of uh, needing that hospital equipment for actual, you know, COVID patients or other sick people when they borrow a lot of that diagnostic equipment for the NFL combine and for the medical checks. It apparently wasn't feasible to do so this year. So the NFL, despite the fact they had 11 months or so to plan, that this is the best they came up with was to have, uh, to do basically mini combines at the pro days this year where they're going to send NFL reps to try and make sure the testing's all standardized. In the meantime, we've got the Exos combine, and Exos is a for-pay training facility, and they're reporting the results of the athletes who pay or whose agents pay for them to train there. So, you know, buyer beware, these times are going to be friendly to say the least, because it will reflect well on not only the player, but the training facility. If you say, you know, uh, Jamar Chase 
Rondell Moore, and uh, we saw Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace, Jonathan Adams. We got their combine times. Uh, Bateman and Wallace ran a 4-3-9. Jonathan Adams Jr. ran a 4-4-8. I'm not sure that we saw that from those guys on tape, but if you say, oh, hey, now Rashad Bateman's a 4-3-9 guy, Tylen Wallace is a 4-3-9 guy, what a great training facility. So I don't know what we're doing as evaluators with these times. Uh, I think I, I, I really like Jonathan Adams Jr. He's a probably day three pick from Arkansas State wide receiver. Great size, basketball background. He's probably more like a 4.55 or 4.6 guy. So what are we doing with these times? And Seth, you got a text about this from somebody the other day while these times were showing up on Twitter. So um, tell us about that and what that the advice that you got on how to deal with these times. Yeah, I mean, so these times are flying. I mean, Justin brought it up. We're sub 4-4 with guys that look, you know, high 4-4, low 4-5 guys. Um, and, and I got a text from a scout that said, all these numbers, you add a tenth of a second to, you know, point. 0.15 seconds to the total of this. And that's where that's where you'll find the true number. Now, obviously, in years past, professional scouts or NFL teams have their own times. They're different times than what we even have um, from the combine. They're different times from what schools give for pro days. Uh, sometimes they're better, sometimes they're worse. But they have guys that go there and, and hand time and do those things. They also have the times, you know, when they do workouts on guys and they want to see specific things um, from a player. That being said, you know, I think that rule with these Exos numbers really, I mean, it kind of fits to what we see in terms of play speed with at least the numbers we've seen so far. Um, you know, a four three seven for Bateman. He seems like a four, you know, uh, a high four four guy, four four seven to four five. That I mean, that would make sense. Um, you know, you talk about Tylen Wallace. He seems like he's a, a you know a mid four four to high four four type of guy. Um, you, you know, he's a he's a track athlete. He's a straight line speed guy, and so that makes sense. Um, but it's it's just interesting that these numbers are coming in and kind of what are we as the you know outside community supposed to do with them they're not they're not done in a environment that you would consider to be um neutral instead as justin pointed out it's in an environment that has everything to do with making these numbers look great um, you know, for, for the players, for their agents, because in the future, that's just going to get more training for, for Exos. So that's the question. And, and what you really have to ask, ask yourself is, are, what are these numbers doing and how is it working, you know, overall? I think, um, when you look at this, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's high. So it's all about, or, you know, these numbers are low, I guess we would call it. These numbers are super low. So we're going to have to take them with a grain of salt if if we don't get 
pro day numbers and things like that um, from schools because there's, I mean, just it doesn't seem plausible that we're going to have a bunch of sub four, three guys. And, and we didn't even bring him up. And I don't know if he's with Exos or not, but Caleb Farley, the, the cornerback from Virginia tech that opted out this year, hasn't played at all. And he supposedly ran a four two four forty, um, which would be one of the fastest times in, in combine history. John Ross set the record at four, two, two, uh, and, and so that's just, I mean, that's, that's, those are crazy numbers. And it begs the question, are we going to see a Jalen Waddle run a four one nine this year? Yeah. I mean, that's, there's nothing stopping him from running a four one nine when he gets to self report or when he gets his, his uh, four pay training facility and his agent to report the times for him, you know, they can tweet out the time we don't even see in, in these cases, we didn't even see that players actually run. So all we're seeing is the time, and I'm sure all of these guys, like you said, they're if you add a tenth of a second or 0.15, these are still good times for these players. But I'm not sure that there's anything stopping a guy from saying he's like you know Bo Jackson fast or Deion Sanders fast. Um, and again, it's only going to benefit those training facilities and those agents and their players. So, uh, you know, my question for you is, is the NFL, by canceling the combine, and we know they had logic and reason behind it, whether they could have come up with something better than what the plan they came up with uh, was, but are they killing the combine? Is this the end of the combine as we know it? Because we're already hearing people grumble and rumble uh, and openly wonder about why we don't just use the chip data to track in-game speed, miles per hour. We see them do it at the Senior Bowl. We know they do it for NFL next-gen stats. We're seeing it done in college uh, to a point as well, I believe. So do they continue with with the combine, or or do we continue to have to kind of dig through these, you know, dig through these – uh, training results with some skepticism, maybe try and find some of those those uh, microchip data that, that shows us miles per hour. Um, all I know is it, it would be, it would stink for a guy like me, a nerd who likes to look at the stats and the numbers and, and compare them historically. If we we're going to lose the combine and the 40 and all the things that go into it, that was like our control group. And if we're going to lose that, we're going to have a really difficult time with historical comps. Well, and that's the whole thing about it. I don't know if the NFL can allow it to happen completely because, one, it is a moneymaker. But, two, you're, you just hit the nail on the head. It's a neutral site. It's a control group, controlled environment for testing. So all of that is, all of that is important to their process because – I mean, while you can get away from some norms of situations, the the reality is you can't get away from all of them and and still have the same outcome or effect that you had. So I I mean, I think from a player agent perspective, they would probably love for it to go away, um, especially I mean because we've heard the tales of of the three a.m. drug tests and then they're expected to be down in the lobby at seven a.m. The next day, uh, you know, and, and things of that nature. And, but 
at the end of the day, I think you just get a better, you just get better numbers and you get more consistent and controlled numbers with having an NFL combine to just kill it outright. Yeah, we've seen like big time prospects in recent years check out and opt out of the combine. And that used to be looked down upon. But now I think, and we'll get into this in the next segment too, but now I think the way this season went down and the way they decided to go about the combine, the way players are testing, uh, working together, working out together in groups and testing at these training facilities and broadcasting that news, I think it's kind of laying the groundwork for that not no longer to be a detriment to the players. It, you know, it used to be a player skips the combine and, and people were scratching their heads and going, well, you know, what's he trying to hide? What, you know, why is, what's he afraid of? Is he afraid of running slow? Now I think that stigma is going to be removed for better or worse. I mean, in many ways it's good because like you said, that combine environment isn't always conducive to a great test. And, you know, maybe we'll see a guy instead of uh, running a four a guy running a four seven and then telling us later that he had a hamstring pull, we can just skip that step and get right to the friendly pro day time. So I think the groundwork is laid if for nothing else for more and more players to opt out if they do try and continue with the combine and eventually for the combine to evolve into just a medical check and interview portion of the, of the process, which is what the big time draft Knicks have been saying it is important for anyway. So um, I don't know if we're never going to have a combine. I think sports writers and, and uh, football journalists are still going to be able to gather and, and drink and go to St. Elmo's and eat shrimp cocktail. But I think we're going to see more and more players opt out of the athletic testing as we move forward into the future. When you look at the importance with being able to go to a website like mock draftable, who, you know, gives you these, these webs of data that, uh, you know, gives us these historical comps. Does that make something like that completely obsolete because you just can't trust the numbers. Um, you, you know, not obsolete, but when you go, um, you know, one, I, I, I get what mock draftable does. It gives you those comparisons. I've never been a big fan of the, the web part of that, where it gives you the spider web and it's like it's supposed to tell you something. Um, because we've seen like, uh, for example, I'll say Calvin Ridley, who, didn't test very well other than the fact that he runs a, a very fast 40. He ran a 4-4-1. So a spider web for Calvin Rid Ridley is going to look terrible. But what you can do with the combine numbers, and I think a better reference, better than mock draftable, is to use StatHead, which is a, a branch of the pro sports references sites. And you can go to their uh, football portion of StatHead, and you can actually search combine comparisons back to 2000. And what you can do, it allows you to plug in the position, the height, weight, 40 time or vertical jump or some kind of combination of combine tests. And through there, you can find players that have similar metrics that were drafted and see kind of where they fell into it. So 
you're still going to be able to do that with a site like Stathead, but you're going to have to kind of do the math yourself. If I'm going to try and compare Bateman, I'm going to put his height and weight or best estimate in there. I'm going to maybe, like you said, add 0.1, 0.15 to that test and then kind of see where he lines up with guys that run 4.47 to 4.5, right? So I can still do the comparison there. If I go to mock draftable, I don't know how it's going to work for them if, if all they have is pro day times or these training times. Next up on uh, the original draft breakdown podcast, we'll be talking about where these rankings and big boards are right now. And did opting out matter? Let's take a look at that next on the original draft breakdown podcast. We're back on the original draft breakdown podcast. And Justin and I just got done talking about the Exos combine and the numbers. Uh, Justin in the break ran a 44240. Uh, so we're going to put that up there shortly for you guys to view and see. Oh, no, we don't have to put it up. You can, we just have to report it. That's all. And so just take my word for it. I also. I also put up about 25 reps on of 225. <laughs> Perfect. And then, um, you know, you look at this year, and one of the big question marks coming into the year was the opt-outs. We had NFL players opt out. Um, a lot of them were strategic, whether it was the Patriots and, and basically <laughs> trying to tank for a year or whether it was – uh, a guy like Marcus Gilbert on the Arizona Cardinals, who was probably a guy that was on the bubble to get cut. And instead he, you know, takes a portion of his pay this year and then rolls himself into a contract in 2021. Um, and, and then the Cardinals have to make a decision to cut him again. So the opt-outs for college were different because, you know, obviously they're not getting paid and, I don't know. Do you know what were the rules on in terms of practicing in those things with the team? They were just out, right? Yeah. Once a player opted out, they were they were done and uh, they were basically off the team. Um, in some cases, what I, I believe happened is players opted out, got with an agent. But when, for example, ba I'll go back to Bateman. He originally opted out. He was all set to get get with an agent and start training. But then the Big Ten was going to have a season, and he wanted to play, and he was allowed to opt back in. I think the NCAA made a concession for that. And uh, I think Rondell Moore was another guy who did that. But Jamar Chase, on the other hand, he opted out and never opted back in. He just went straight to signing with an agent, working out for the draft. So the, there was some flexibility with it. Um, so some of the players that opted out never – did opt back in. I know, um, for example, running back Kenny Gainwell from Memphis. He was another guy. I think he had a couple family members come down with COVID and actually a couple that passed away. So he never was going to opt back in. But the, the league did have some flexibility with that. So um, I think one of the things that we're learning, Seth, is that the opt-outs don't really seem to be hurting the players in general. And when we talk about Daniel Jeremiah's rankings and his mock draft, there are a few examples of that. Like Jamar Chase, Daniel Jeremiah ranks him as the number two overall player and mocks him number three overall in his most recent mock draft. Penne Sewell, uh, ninth overall player, mocked fifth overall to Cincinnati. 
He's got the defensive lineman from Washington, Joe Tryon and Levi Onwuzurike, ranked 27th and 28th, respectively. And he's got Tryon mocked 26th to Cleveland. So those guys all opting out for the entire year, it doesn't seem to be being held against them. It's it's good that it's not being held against them because that's what we were told. It wouldn't be held against them. Um, that may be laying the groundwork for players to sit out for an entire season again in the future. That's something that's been bounced around in media and almost encouraged. In fact, it has been encouraged by some members of the media. So we may see more opt-outs in the future, even in non-COVID times. Well, and that was, I mean, that's the joke that we always made fun of is that anybody that penalizes these guys now, I'm going to go back and see if they had the takes that uh, Leonard Fournette should just opt out um, or that, who you know, Trevor Lawrence should just sit the bench or, you know, these guys that were great coming in out of high school played super well as freshmen or even sophomore. And then people were like, oh, just just don't play next year. Like, just wait till you can make your money in the NFL draft. So, I mean, those are two different. Those are just different ways of looking at it. When you look at DJ's rankings and the big boards overall, they're starting to come out a little bit. There's a couple things that caught my eye and your eye uh, that we wanted to, to discuss today. Um, and, and maybe, I mean, look at how, how guys that the internet community likes versus what the quote unquote inside guys are thinking. Um, and, and, you know, that's something that, you and I have tried to just kind of straddle the line with is, you know, we want to be independent, but we also want to understand what the NFL is thinking. And, and a couple of those rankings, I think speak to that. I would say number, number one, it's that it seems almost consensus at this point, especially within the NFL circles that Zach Wilson is quarterback too. The other thing that we're seeing is that, it seems like that the internet community is much higher on a Justin Fields than they are on Zach Wilson, but we're even starting to see things where guys are higher on not just Wilson, but Mac Jones as well. Yeah, Mac Jones is getting a lot of run. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we get into the next part of the show, that the part that everybody's probably waiting for. But um, yeah, one of the things that, that – came out recently was Mike Tannenbaum, who's a former NFL executive, now works for ESPN. He came out and said that Mac Jones' floor is eight overall to Carolina. Daniel Jeremiah has Mac Jones ranked 35th overall and quarterback five, and he has him mocked to New Orleans at 28. So there's still a little bit of a disconnect there. Uh, is it the, is Daniel Jeremiah hearing things from the NFL or is Mike Tannenbaum? I don't know, um, but what what we're seeing is now the draft Knicks. Some of the fantasy guys were already in on Mac Jones, but now some of the draft Knicks are starting to get more and more in on Mac Jones. Daniel Jeremiah, if he moves Mac Jones up, you can watch. He's a tastemaker, and you're going to see Mac Jones move up in everybody's rankings. Speaking of rankings, you look at the wide receivers we've touched on this um earlier in the show but Rashad Bateman is not in the first round of 
of DJ's mock draft. He's also ranked 46th overall on his top 50. Um, Rondell Moore, the you know electric receiver from Purdue, uh, ranked outside of DJ's top 50. But we're seeing Kadarius Tony ranked uh, in the top 20. Uh, he was ranked 21, mock 20th overall. What what do you make of these, you know, perceived, again, disconnect between maybe what DJ's hearing and what others are seeing? Well, I think with Tony, it's it's not just DJ. I mean, Dane Brugler has him ranked as uh, the fourth overall, uh, the fourth receiver overall. Um Bateman, I think, is getting most of his heat from the fantasy football community. So I think the fantasy football guys like the fact he's a big guy. They loved the fact that he ran a sub 4-4, in quotes, in his training. Um, and they love his production that he had as a sophomore at Minnesota. And so the fantasy guys, they hate uh, Tony. And I mean, not personally, but from a fantasy standpoint, because he didn't break out till his senior year. And even then, he was still the number two option behind Kyle Pitts, the tight end. So it's interesting that that Daniel Jeremiah and Dan Brugler both are so high on Tony because he seems like a slack guy. Um, I think Dan even called him a gadget guy in his article at The Athletic. So uh, then why would he be so highly ranked? Why would he be wide receiver for... He's ranked 21st by Dan Jeremiah. He's mocked 20th overall to the Bears in that in that most recent mock draft. There's no doubt in my mind that at least in, in Jeremiah's case, he's probably hearing some rumblings from the league that, that people love Kadarius Toney. In Dane's case, I think it's more of a personal experience of having covered the Senior Bowl, having been there, and watching Toney really dominate in the one-on-ones, at least as far as getting open. Um, but my issue with Tony is I saw him in those same one-on-ones, albeit I wasn't in person, but I was also watching Amari Rogers, who I think is Dane Brugler's 10th wide receiver overall, a guy who's generally projected in the third round area. And I, I thought that Amari Rogers looked faster, got open, more easily and caught the ball more cleanly that week. So I'm not, I'm not one of these people that's going to be in on Tony as a top five receiver, but it certainly seems like the NFL is. So there's another one of those disconnects that I was talking about. I think the other name that kind of shocked both of us on, on DJ's mock and where he's got him going is uh Charterius Atwell, uh, Tutu Atwell is the nickname the diminutive receiver from Louisville um, put up really, really solid numbers as a true sophomore last year, uh, tw- over 1,200 yards receiving, 11 touchdowns. Um, you know, we we have seen these guys like Atwell before. But they usually don't go in the top thirty to forty picks, do they? I mean, five nine one sixty five is a slight guy. I mean, people are talking about Devonte Smith 
And to see out, we'll go in the top 40 at 59165 is is kind of crazy. Yeah, I think it's 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 unusual to have a guy mocked that high that's that small. I mean, he's listed in the 150 to 165 pound range, but I think the groundwork's been laid for guys like that to kind of move up the board. When you look at Hollywood Brown becoming a first round pick a couple of years ago, but if you look at Hollywood Brown's career to this point, it, it's not a ringing endorsement to really draft a guy that early. And you've got Atwell coming from the ACC, and he wasn't, uh, you know, he, he did still put up big numbers, but I think many people would consider that a conference with lesser competition. Really, that's been a conference where it's just Clemson and everybody else in recent years. So... I thought it was very unusual. I think I think Daniel Jeremiah's rankings on Tutu Atwell, not just this past one, but even in the previous rankings they put out in January, was really an eyebrow raiser. And you know, when you look at these rankings and, and these drafts, it it brings up all all the best in people. And, of course, that means it brings up the hot takes. And that's what we'll get into next on the original Breakdown Podcast, the House of Hot Takes. We'll bring our first, our first batch of hot takes of the season um, out next. We're back on the original Draft Breakdown Podcast, and it's hot takes time. That's right. We've got, um, we've got a lot today. Uh, and, and it starts with an interesting an interesting quarterback ranking that we saw today from Chris Sims. Um, I think he's with pro football talk, right? Or NBC sports or something like that now. Right. Chris Sims is always on the, uh, the pro football talk show with Mike Florio these days. And he tweeted out his 2021 quarterback rankings earlier today. And he, he said, you know, I'm going to have a podcast later to talk about my reasoning behind these. So let's keep that in mind. He still plans to explain himself on these rankings. But let's run through. He gave us a top six. Number one was Zach Wilson from BYU. So Zach Wilson ahead of the player who most people think is a shoe-in to go number one, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. And Trevor Lawrence comes in at number two. Number three is Mac Jones from Alabama, one-year starter. Number four, and this one really, really caught a lot of people's attention, it's not Justin Fields, it's Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond from Texas A&M is the fourth overall quarterback in Chris Sims' ranking. Mond was the Senior Bowl MVP in the game, but I don't think I've ever seen a ranking where he's in the top four of quarterbacks yet this year. And then Fields checks in at five with Trey Lance of North Dakota State rounding out Chris Sims' top top six. So, Seth, I'm going to just start with my take on this. and uh, But first of all, I want to give some background because Chris Sims, of course, set Twitter ablaze when he tweeted this out without the explanation. And, of course, Twitter's not going to wait around for a podcast to explain these kind of rankings. No, Twitter's going to react immediately. And one of the things I thought was interesting was that there were, there were quite a few people defending Chris Sims. They were saying that 
you know, he has a good track record when it comes to quarterbacks because of the the way he ranked uh, Josh Allen, the way he ranked Lamar Jackson, and uh, the way he ranked supposedly Patrick Mahomes as the number one quarterback in 2017. But when I did a little digging, he changes his rankings a lot, Seth. In March of 2017, he had Deshaun Watson as his quarterback one, and Mitch Trubisky was his quarterback two, and he was debating between Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Kaiser, and even, uh, I believe it was Davis Webb, the quarterback from Cal, who was getting some buzz at that time. Now, I think he ultimately ended up with Mitch Trubisky as his number one quarterback in 2017. So somewhere in between, he may have moved Mahomes up to his number one quarterback. But when you can change the rankings, then you can never be wrong. Now, I'm just speaking about the 2017 rankings. But let me give my take on his current rankings before I hear his explanation. In my opinion... I don't understand how Justin Fields can be ranked below Zach Wilson or Matt Jones. And the reason why is when you talk about a prospect, we're talking about the physical makeup of a player. I know with quarterback, there's a lot of mental to it too. But Justin Fields is a, a guy who's you know, 6'2", 220, 225 pounds, Dynamic athlete, two-year starter at Ohio State. He also played quite a bit as a freshman at Georgia. Zach Wilson burst onto the scene this year. He doesn't have the athletic upside of, of Justin Fields. I don't think he has the same arm strength. That might be arguable, but he certainly doesn't have the athletic upside or the size of Justin Fields. And Mac Jones doesn't have the athletic ability, the arm strength, or the experience of Justin Fields. So when we talk about prospects, it seems to me that Justin Fields has all the tools, all the athleticism, all the pedigree to be the number two quarterback in this draft. But here he's ranked behind Zach Wilson and Mac Jones and and Kellen Mond. And I think it's, it's interesting because I think it looks like throwing darts at the board because you can be right about this it certainly Mac Jones may have a better professional career than Justin Fields. But when you talk about scouting, I don't know what about, about the scouting is better when you talk about Mac Jones than with Justin Fields. I would like to hear that argument. I guess I'm going to have to listen to his podcast. And, you know, it's interesting though, that the Mac Jones train has taken off. And I think that it's one of those things that comes up as we, as you kind of trek through all of this draft, you know, the the wasteland of the draft and how long it takes to get there. It's And it's even worse this year because we don't have things like the NFL Combine to kind of give us some sustenance. Instead, we're just waiting for something. And when you look at the Mac Jones takes and how they're starting to take off. It, it makes sense. Jones was obviously at the senior bowl. We've talked about this before. 
there there legitimately is a senior bowl bump for quarterbacks. We've seen it with Daniel Jones. We saw it with Baker Mayfield. I'm not saying it happens in the NFL. I'm saying within the, the internet community, they finally start to see how much the NFL likes a player. Then that coincides with what we're seeing now as rankings come out where he's quarterback three, quarterback four, you know, jostling with Justin Fields. And it's interesting until you hear other players talk about him. And the reason I say that is today on an interview with Andrew Siciliano, Jalen Waddell made it kind of clear that he prefers Mac Jones over to a tag of Iowa. Now, I mean, he did say, I like both of them, but I love Mac Jones. Um, Justin, your point on this was they came up together. You know, well, that's, on- yeah, that's what Waddle said. He said, you know, Mac and I came up together. We were on the third team, but Waddle was, Waddle had 800 yards receiving on the team with Tua as his quarterback, as a, as when Waddle was a true freshman. So it's interesting that, that not only Waddle, but Devontae Smith also said he preferred Mac Jones. And we could, say that, well, they're not going to say anything bad about their quarterback as he goes into the draft. But before we got on the air, you made a a great point about that. Right. I mean, the reality is they have no, they have no reason at this point to lie. Um, They're, they're all likely going to different teams. Um, You know, Smith and Waddle, played with Tua they were successful with Tua I mean you brought it up Waddle had 800 yards with Tua as a true freshman I mean he was he was phenomenal um and so you look at it and it just it doesn't make sense but then you remember some of the weird backstories on Tua and this isn't I mean we didn't talk about Tua last year we weren't you know on the show last year but you remember some of the odd backstories about Tua Tagovailoa and how much he was kind of a machine. And, and, you know, the guy was just, you know, there to play football and and the process and how much his, you know, dad kind of drilled into him that Alabama was a, you know, basically the way to get to where you want to get to. And this isn't to say anything negative about Tua, but maybe he did not resonate with the guys like Mac Jones does. And that's kind of the, that drew breeze, drew breeze effect, right? Like I, I I think that in terms of skill set, Mac Jones is, is on the same lines as Kirk cousins. But if Jones is one of those guys that has that kind of innate ability to rally and, and lead guys, that's something that you're, I mean, at us as, as draft guys can't quantify. And, and that's the hardest thing to do. And maybe that's just what Mac Jones did. Maybe he was the guy that endeared himself to guys like Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith that, that was, you know, I don't want to say a better teammate because that makes it sound like two was a bad teammate, but just was a, you know, a guy that they enjoyed playing with more than Tua. 
And that is why you're seeing this is because maybe it's, it's just as simple as like, yeah, I mean, Tua was great, super great quarterback. I just, I wanted to play with Mac. Like if that's the reality, I, I just wanted to play with Mac and, and that's hard to, to deal with as somebody that when you're talking about projecting um, the future of a player. Yeah. You can, you can almost call it the Baker Mayfield effect because Mayfield went number one overall in 2018. And then right off the, right out of the blocks, he, he looked like he might be the best quarterback of that bunch in 2018. But then the next season you see Lamar Jackson win the MVP. And then in season three, you see Josh Allen emerge like he looks like he might be the best of the three. So could it be Mac Jones is 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 the uh, baker of this bunch where he's getting, um, you know, he's obviously he's a good quarterback. I don't think anybody's saying that he's not a good quarterback or that he can't be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But um, he may be getting a boost because, like you said, that senior bowl boost and, and you might be getting a the uh, the good teammate, the good leadership boost. But then long-term, do you want Baker or do you want Lamar Jackson or do you want Josh Allen? So in three years, it's going to be very fun to look back and see, well, yeah, the Mac Jones hype maybe had some justification to it and maybe he's playing well, but then maybe you've got some of these guys with the athletic upside in fields, certainly, Trey Lance, or maybe even Mond, who emerge as as possibly better long-term answers. So, with circling back to Chris Sims, it's it's a hot take because it's different from what we've seen to this point. Uh, uh, to have you know to have Mac Jones up there, to have Kellen Mond ahead of Justin Fields, and I. I you know, people say, well, he's got a good process. And, and I'm not saying that he doesn't. I haven't listened to his podcast yet. I'm going to have to find that out. But I, I would need to have more information to really understand why that's a true take and not just a guess or not just something that certainly gained a lot of attention for NBC Sports today. And, you know, when you talk about Waddle, that brings us to our next hot take. And, and our good friend Kyle Posey um at kp underscore show had this one he was doing some work on rashad bateman and his his work and his potential um another friend of the show another another buddy that we we talk with um still at still ryan five that's five spelled out um quote tweeted that and said this is your wide receiver too folks he's excellent to which kyle responded with Waddle wide receiver one, as he was on his team in 2019. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot to dissect in terms of hot takes here. First, you have that our buddy Ryan has uh, has Rashad Bateman two, to which it seems like Kyle agrees. But Kyle has Jalen Waddle as the top receiver in this class. Um, it, is that just a, a flavor thing to you? I mean, when you look at when you look at this draft class, you really do have a kind of pick your flavor in terms of wide receivers going probably to the top eight or nine. Yeah, and, and 
Ryan, I, I'm good buddies with Ryan. He and I talk almost every day. So I knew he was going to be higher on Bateman than, than I would be, or apparently than the NFL guys are. Um, I think, again, because Ryan's involved in more in the fantasy community, that I think that speaks to the disconnect that I mentioned earlier where the fantasy guys seem higher on Bateman because of uh, those factors, his production as a sophomore and, and things like that, his size. The Waddle take is interesting because I would have thought months ago that it would be a hot take for anybody to have any receiver other than Jamar Chase as wide receiver one. But as we've got more and more into this, it's become very clear that everybody from Draftniks to um, fantasy guys, as you go down the line, I, I mentioned Jeremiah is still very high on Chase, but there's a lot of division on Chase. So it's not super, super hot takey to me to have Jalen Waddle as wide receiver one in this class. And the reason is because, like you said, it's a pick-your-flavor thing. When you look at Waddle and the fact that he probably has 4-3, maybe even sub-4-3 speed, he has that Tyreek Hill upside. I think people think he could be that type of player. He's already more polished receiver when it comes to going downfield than Tyreek Hill was coming out. Tyreek Hill had been a, a running back and, and gadget player and bounced around in college. Waddle is a receiver, and he can beat you deep, and he can beat you on a slant and take it to the house. So, And he can beat you on special teams too. So the fact that he, if your cup of tea is the fastest receiver in the draft, he's your guy. And if his ceiling is Tyreek Hill... I really think Jalen Waddle's floor is Will Fuller and with better hands. So if your floor, and I mean that, I, I'm a big fan of Will Fuller. I thought he was a, a late first, early second round pick. He ended up going first round. He's been great when he's been healthy. If that's the least that you get out of Jalen Waddle, then you're coming away with a very good receiver pick. They don't always have to be Hall of Famers. So you, if your upside is Tyreek Hill and your downside is a Will Fuller, which I think is is kind of the ceiling floor area for Waddle, I kind of get it. I don't I don't really think the Waddle take is that hot. It seems hot because you know you and I were in on Jamar Chase wide receiver one way before the season even started, but with Chase out of sight, out of mind, and Waddle just torching defenses for four games before he hurt his ankle i can see it and he's going to be my probably my receiver three in this class we had one more hot take that uh that we wanted to get off here before we finish up the show tonight so running back rankings are another one where i thought you know this these are going to be pretty straightforward right we've got two running backs coming back this year they're that are seniors that could have come out in the draft last year, and that's Alabama's Najee Harris and then Clemson's Travis Etienne. And I thought, you know, there, there are going to be people that have Etienne first, and there are going to be people that have Harris first, but those are going to be your top two. So who's the third running back, right? That's what I thought. I'm naive, though, because at Joe Rowe underscore NFL, a gentleman named Joe Rolls or Rouse. Apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name. 
that's kind of our thing though right seth definitely <laughs> but he he te- he tweeted on march 1st his updated 2021 running back rankings his number one javante williams from north carolina actually that's not that hot takey to me right uh javante williams gained a lot of steam this year and a lot of the fantasy guys like him because he was a junior he put up that production as a junior and he's a bigger back. He's like 225. Number two, the other UNC back, Michael Carter. Still not too hot takey for me. I know our friend Emery Hunt at Football Game Plan has Michael Carter as his running back too as well. And Michael Carter was clearly, in my mind, the best running back that was at the Senior Bowl this year. But here's where we get hot. He put his top four. Joe wrote underscore NFL put his top four up. Number three, Kylan Hill from Mississippi State, who played a few games before opting out after basically being used only as a pass catcher by Mike Leach. And then number four, Ramondre Stevenson, the running back from Oklahoma, a junior college transfer. So here we have a top four that doesn't include Travis Etienne and that doesn't include Najee Harris. I can only imagine what Najee Harris thinks about that take. Yeah, and when you look at rankings, it's not a must that you have to include Najee and and ETN in your top one and two. But to have them at best fifth seems crazy. And our producer, Robert Bond, is a uh, Oklahoma homer, um, not quite as bad as Justin with Ohio State, but I mean he's a homer. And, and and Robert, would you? I mean, would you even think of Ramadre as a top five running back prospect in this draft? No, but I did think of Piran as a poor man's Frank Gore. So what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the first step is admitting it, right? But. But back to Joe Rowe, our, our buddy, our, our new friend. I don't think we've ever had a hot take from Joe Rowe, underscore NFL. But I want to get back to him because he knew, Seth, he knew full well that this was a hot take because he closed out the take with the sentence, who wants to fight? I mean, come on, man. I, I shouldn't even read takes like this because this is meant – I mean, th- these – this is when you're trying to get attention, when you throw four names out there and you don't throw the almost everybody's top two or at least two running backs that would be in almost everybody's top five. When you don't throw those names out there, you know that people are going to come for you. And he knew it. He said, who wants to fight? Well, I don't want to fight, Joe, but I do want to call out your scorching hot take. And that'll wrap up the hot takes and that'll wrap up the first episode back of the original draft breakdown podcast. We're going to do some housekeeping at the end, but uh, uh, if you don't want to listen to that, that's up to you. But uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back and joining in. We appreciate it. And we missed you guys. Um, And, and we'll be back next week with uh, two episodes. Find out why in a second. We're back. uh, The original draft breakdown podcast just kind of wrap up what's going on and what we're going to do moving forward here. As we said, uh, we're, you know, Justin and I are back. We brought on Robert to be our producer. 
um, our sound guy, to try to give you a better product from a from a acoustic standpoint. That means that we are, you know, going to be doing these probably at least once a week with the um, and, and or twice a week with you know some optional stuff. That being said, the way we're going to do this is going to be a little bit different. Um, obviously, Justin just had his second kid. Um, I've got five kids that are incredibly active in, in sports, even during this you know kind of crazy COVID time. And so the way we're going to do this is we're going to record two episodes a week for you guys. Uh, the first episode is going to be absolutely scot-free. You can pick it up on any of the platforms that you download your podcast on. Um, eventually bear with (laughs) us as we get that set up but we will get it out on some free platform and eventually it'll be up on itunes and all the other you know uh, podcast platforms that you're used to and but what we're going to do now moving forward is um the second episode of the week is going to be our friday episode uh, for the draft time it's going to be more draft talk uh we're going to do interviews we're going to have guest on we're going to do rankings and things like that um, kind of kind of more our type of stuff in terms of what we're how we look at guys and things like that um, in the in the season or the lead up to the season we're going to use that as a preview show uh, for the week and, and you know kind of and even do some deep um, Debbie kind of fantasy draft stuff um, for for prospects as well. So with that in mind, what we're going to do is we're going to open up a Patreon page uh, that we're going to ask uh, for $2 a month. That gets you the second podcast. Uh, that's right, $2 a month. Um, that's it. And um, you'll get the second podcast, the Friday podcast. So that'll be behind a paywall. Um, that's just beer and date money for for Justin and I to uh you know kind of give our wives a heads up of why we're doing this still and that we're not just crazy and uh we we do understand that we have responsibilities at home. Um Justin's going to explain that we will have a second tier as well that you can um pay for. Yeah, so Seth mentioned, you know, I have uh two children now. The last time we all talked it was I just had one daughter I've got two now but the good thing is now my youngest is two and a half so I've got a little bit more free time I'm also working from home so things have opened up a little bit and that means that we've got a little bit more time to give you a little bit more content too so um, the plan is to get back into some of the writing that we used to do Uh, hopefully one or two articles per week posting some rankings, posting some analysis that, you know, we might tease a little bit on Twitter or maybe on some of the free shows. But for $4 a month, you'll get full access to everything we post. There there will be uh, additional bonus episodes in addition to the Friday show. There will be some written content. Um, we're working to coordinate a schedule on these kind of things, and it won't always be, you know, everything on, on – Tuesday and Friday or anything like that. But what we're going to do is try and get you some written content, maybe one or two articles a piece written up and uh, rankings. You'll get all of our rankings eventually. And then our 
as we get as we approach the the draft, we'll have some mock drafts. We'll have some full prospect top 100 boards and things like that. So for four bucks a month, that'll get you full access to that. That's going to be good in the off season as well because that's when we're going to get into the team, the college football team previews, so that you'll know which players to look for as we go into the fall. And um, if you've been following us for a long time, you know we've done that in the past. That content is going to be located behind the $4 Patreon tier. So that's all going to be set up pretty soon. In the meantime, we've also got social media accounts set up on Twitter at DB underscore pod. So give us a follow there. All of our links will get posted on that Twitter feed. We've got an Instagram, DB underscore pod. And that is... uh, We've got a few images up there, just kind of our logos and things like that. But that is a place where we can post some video content and things like that. And of course, we'll have the Patreon page, which should be launched and live by next week. So uh, really appreciate all the feedback we've received in the past. When we didn't do the show, a lot of people reached out to us and told us that they missed us. I hope that we're able to get back into the swing of things in the way that you guys expect us to. All feedback's appreciated. We've also got a Gmail at uh, the draft breakdown podcast at gmail.com. You can shoot us an email there too. So many, many ways right now to reach us. And as we evolve, as we get into it, there will be even more ways to reach us. And of course, you can also reach us individually on Twitter. I'm at AFC. The number two NFC and Seth is at S Cox FB, right, Seth? Yep. And uh, you can send all your complaints to at KP underscore show. He'll, uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll deal with those as they come out. But uh, I mean, we, we did miss you guys. We we're super excited to get back into this uh, and, and talk about the draft. And we appreciate you guys, um, you know, clamoring for it. And, and hopefully we can, um, you know, give you guys a great product that, that you guys enjoy and want to be a part of. Um, so that's going to wrap up this first episode. This one's all free. Um, and again, uh, if you think we're SOBs for charging, there's still going to be free content too. So you can continue to mooch uh, at least on the early part of the week. Right, right. And you guys can... Uh, text my wife and explain to her that I can do <laughs> everything for free. So, uh, no, but I mean, we appreciate it and we hope you guys, you know, give us a shot and let us uh, try to give you guys some extra content that's enjoyable. Um, and then uh, these podcasts are going to cut down a little bit. We're going to go about 30 to 45 minutes an episode um, and, and give you guys something worth, uh, worth paying for, hopefully. So, uh, thanks for listening everybody and we'll be back next week with two new episodes of the original draft breakdown podcast thanks everyone what do you guys think for the outro for now um i mean i don't know yet we'd probably we might be able to record something we can for now we could do um